Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. Potter Gaff had to go through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to the Match Day FM podcast where this week we're going to be talking the return of Super League. I'm Chris Stoltz, I'm joined by Kieran Makin and Robert Lee. So the Super League officially restarted last weekend with a double header of games that had been postponed pre-COVID and for I think one of which was bad weather, which seems a long time ago indeed. But it's back with a full round of fixtures this weekend, all at Headingley in the Biosecure venue. So the first question to Rob and Kieran is, are you glad that Super League is back, especially since we've had you know, the end of the Premier League season has been wall-to-wall football. Is it just good to see some rugby league um, back on the TV? It's good to see that there's a variety of sports, isn't it? You know, it's not, not, you've not just got rugby league back, cricket, snooker, football, cycling's return, stuff like that. It's like, yes, sports coming back. Of course, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm more happy that rugby league come back than probably any of those that I mentioned because, you know, being a rugby man myself, it's just... You know, f- finally, when they say bring back the Biff, the Biff is actually back. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. Of course I am. Yeah, I'm happy. Short and sweet, really. Um, like Rob said, a variety of sports is good. Um, and I think the more sports that come back, uh, the closer to normality we get to, really. I know we're doing a lot of them in bioscure venues, a lot of testing going on, still behind closed doors, all that kind of thing. But you know, we're taking baby steps, if you like. So, yeah, happy that Rugby League's back just for an entertainment value, but also it's opening up um, all sports, really, now into the country. Yeah, so over the duration of this episode, we're going to talk a, a few of the um, talking points which dominated the head- headlines of, of Rugby League during the lockdown. And we'll also look ahead to the five games which are taking place because of one of the talking points we'll come on to means that one team is going to have a w- another week off um, as the sport resumes. So, first of all, I think the, the major talking point that has um, come into Super League over the last couple of months is the Toronto Wolfpack. You know, they've dominated headlines for a number of years now, but now it's very much a negative one because they've had to withdraw from Super League. That was announced a, a couple of weeks ago. And... Rob, what is your take on, on the Toronto situation? Do you have a degree of sympathy for them or do you just feel it's ultimately that they've brought this upon themselves? I, I've probably made a name for myself when, when you know, things have come for rugby league and in rugby in the past. I've, I've, I've normally been quite cold. I've been quite, you know, ruthless. I've, I've shown the shoulder to uh, a, a lot of people in the past and said, no, you, you deserve it. That's the nature of the competition of the game. But, with how much money and how much time and how much effort's been spent in getting Toronto Wolfpack into the Super League and to, for it to come to, well, nothing in a matter of months when they make the when they make the suit when they finally get into Super League, I should say, it's 
I do have a little bit of sympathy for him. Um, you know, but I have more sympathy for the players, the players that, you know, have been enticed and excited to go there for next season or in the middle of this season, who aren't going to get a chance to. There's suddenly, you know, Ben Flowers, a, a big example of this. He was uh, signed to Toronto to compete in the 2021 season. And now it's, where does he go? What does he do? Can he re-sign at Wigan? Is it, was it official? Has he left Wigan? Has he not left? You know, and I think it was Adrian Lammers come out recently and said, for the benefit of the players, not so much the other clubs, but for the benefit of the players, they need to know, is Toronto going to be competing next season? Is Toronto going to carry on or is that the end? And if, if it's the end, it's, you know, it's a short, sharp five years of existence back into nothing. And Kieran, obviously um, the COVID situation hasn't helped. It's probably exacerbated some of the issues that were already there. And one of which is the payment of players. Um, we've seen Ricky Latelli um, was owed thousands, um, for example. I know that's one of the ones that has, has come to light in the press. Um, so what is your take on the whole situation and how it's ended up with them um, exiting Super League already? Yeah, I mean, I do sympathise in the fact that nobody could have predicted what's happened. With is just you know, something that we've never really experienced in our lifetimes at all. And obviously it's affected not just sports clubs, um, but, you know, businesses all across the country. Um, obviously they're, they're in Canada as well. So the impact all across the world economically as well. So I have a sympathy with that sort of thing. But um, the RFL, I think, are quite good in trying to, you know, expand the game. They try all sorts of wacky ideas. And they were obviously really, you know, advocating the Toronto project, if you like. Um, but I always felt it was always a bit of a pipe dream, to be honest with you. The, it's not like Catalans were, you know, they're only a, a couple of hours flight away to the south of France. It's, you know, you're looking at around a 10-hour flight to Canada and just the logistical side of things, the finances that have to go into getting teams over there to actually play games. Um, so, you know, I always felt it was, it was always going to end badly, really. That, that was just my instinctive feeling if you know what I mean that it might you know go well for a few years they'll probably get super because they have the finances to you know turf through league one and championship but um, when they get though it was always the question of will the bubble burst you know what I mean so um, at the same time as well they're not the only club who's made losses I know they've got to take into account traveling costs and all that stuff but I think uh, the Warrington CEO said they lost about one and a half million pounds because of COVID but you know, they've, they're, they're restarting the season. They've kept the finances in check. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do you think as well, Rob, because Kevin touched on it slightly, the, the, the sort of expansion plans. Obviously, Ottawa are set to join next year as well. Um, do you think this is a bit of a kick in the teeth for expansion in, in general, that the most high-profile expansion club has had to withdraw from a competition because it's not been able to fund it. It's it, it, it's as much as a kick of the teeth as much as it is a revelation for them. You know, like Keith touched on, it's a very big point. Uh, Catalan of uh, are only a couple of hours away. Toronto, are, you know, half a day's flight away. Uh, it's going to take a lot out of you know if you've ever flown that far. It takes a lot out of you. It doesn't matter how physically fit you are. 
you know, you are drained. So to then go and then you've got to go there early so then you can recover and then play, it's not ideal. What, you know, I, I do like rugby league in some aspects of trying to go a little bit bold. I mean, we spoke about in the, the last podcast that we did when we were on about rugby league, when Dave Parkinson joined us about Magic Weekend and the Summer Bash. Great ideas. They work spot on. But if you want to expand like that, why, why are we trying to... You know, I'm not cutting cutting foreign teams off from the, from Super League, but why can't we build a league, a strong league for them, help them set up something that's similar to the Super League, similar to our structure in Canada, in North America, where they've only got a couple of hours flying away. Let's get one set up in France and the rest of Europe come together you, you know maybe something similar to like they would in the champions league you know you take your, your top six six teams from all over the world and compete them against each other you know yeah you, you've got a bit more of a logistical nightmare of where holds it but then you know you can bid for that so it's almost becomes something more of a, a club world cup kind of uh but then once you've got teams like toronto playing against well toronto is probably a bad example because half of them were australian anyway but playing playing against like NRL teams, you do get that golfing quality that forces other teams to be better. You know, it's that adapt or perish situation. You know, if you, you know you've got to play Sydney Roosters in two weeks and you've only just beaten, I don't know, Montreal, whatever, 6-4 and you're supposed to be the best team in Canada, you're going to get battered by Sydney Roosters, aren't you? So you've got to up your game. You've got to think about it. And if you put your standard up, that brings everybody else's standards up in, in the league because they want to beat you. They want to be the team that knocks you off the top. And, you know, I think the RFL could maybe, instead of trying to bring teams into our structure, focus on the teams that are already knocking around, who need the help that were amateur, professional, you know, used to be in the structure, but have now dropped off somewhere. Help them out. And then, give assistance to you know other countries to set up their own national league yeah so absolutely a really interesting idea especially that that champions league um suggestion um kevin in, in terms of the super league this season and potentially for next season as well um what do you think the best course of action for for them is because obviously we've heard um featherstone are saying they should take Toronto's spot due to the fact that Toronto beat them in the million pound game. Um, do you think that is a is a viable case for them to make, or do you think you know they're they're looking to profit from somebody else's misfortune? Yeah, I think they're looking to profit. To be honest, Chris, um, my, my, my first problem with that is the fact that you lost the game, <laughs> so you don't deserve to go up and, and and secondly the game no longer exists the million pound game that you know the whole eights uh, structure the eights mini competition if you like is no more um, obviously there's no relegation this season I'd say finish this season let's get it done dusted and then have a look at a restructure structure um, you know to try and even things out and then go back to just normal promotion and relegation I don't think um, Feverston really have a leg to stand on, to be honest with you, doing that. I mean, fair play to them for having a go because, you know, if you can get in Super League and you can, you know, that's the that's the dream for them, really. But I think just see the season out and then we go again next season because uh, mad things have happened, haven't they, this year? 
Um, but I don't blame him for, for trying to poach, to poach the, the old promotion. Um, but no, just finish season and go back to normal promotion relegation, I, I say. I know it's boring. I know you, maybe people are thinking, oh, I'll come up with a wacky idea. But it's not up to me, is it? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, case could be made for several other clubs, couldn't they? You know, Widnes, Bradford, Lee, they'll all yeah. think that they have just as much reason because of who they are. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, when they did the, you know, the licensing and Widnes got in on the license and that was a bit, you know, I was never really a fan of that. And they sort of clinged on a little bit, didn't they, Widnes, for a while. It, I don't know. Just don't agree with concepts like that. To be honest, I think yeah. you've got to earn it. Yeah, absolutely. I think now, ultimately, the question is: um, Do you think that Toronto Wolfpack will be competing in Super League or indeed the Rugby Football League competitions next season? We'll start with you, Rob. No, I want to leave it at that. No. Okay. I don't think so. I think they put so much time and money and effort into it that they would probably have to go to being part-time and it's just not going to work, is it? It has to be a full-time operation for them, you know, to actually play teams in our structure. So that if they're going to remain as a rugby club, probably better off going down the route that Rob mentioned before about maybe setting up a, a Canadian league or something along those lines. But no, I cannot see them playing in any of the, the English leagues, to be honest with you. Uh, so be interested to see how that story pans out over the coming weeks, months, and potentially years. You're listening to Matchday FM. How crucial has Bruno Fernandes been? Because it, it, they've almost been, it, it, I think it's fair to say, they've just been unrecognisable since he's come in. I think he's certainly jumped into the Premier League halfway through a season and certainly shown he can swim in that particular <laughs> in that metaphor. <laughs> Rather than sink. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We're we are still talking about football, aren't we? I know, no, but no. I meant in the Olympics is next year, Tommy. Check out all of our podcasts so far on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So Toronto isn't the only difference that is going to be coming with the restarts. We've also got a couple of changes to the rules, namely no scrums, and now a set restart, which is effectively. A six to go instead of getting a penalty for infringements at the Rook. Been designed to, to quicken the game up. Um, the NRL have been using it for um, some time since they started. Obviously, they're a bit ahead of us in, in terms of the assumption. They've even got crowds in their games as well. So I think ultimately the, the big question is from having seen the two games um, that, that took place in the first round of the restarts um, between. Saints of Catalan and Huddersfield and Leeds. We've had a bit of a sample of, of what these rules look like. What is your, your thought on them, Rob? Firstly, the lack of, of scrums. Obviously, the lack of scrums, it, you know, a little bit dictated by the current situation. I know that, um, you know, the close proximity of sticking your head next to each other isn't exactly ideal, is it? Um, when there's a virus knocking around. But um, the, in particular, that the set restart and the loss of a set piece, which is a scrum. What is your take on it? Let's uh, come on. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, rugby league have been wanting to get rid of scrums for years. This is the poorest excuse <laughs> they could have ever come up with. They should have just said five years ago. Look, we don't. It's not a scrum. It's just a hug. Let's just fire them off. You know, I, I was I was talking 
you know, I was talking to my mates about this uh, at rugby, obviously playing rugby union, we, we do proper, proper scrums, you know, pushing and everything. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a poor excuse, you know, none of this, oh, well, we don't want to have prolonged contact. A scrum takes 20 seconds. If done right, a scrum, full pushing and everything takes 20 seconds. They've probably less contact time in a scrum than they do in a proper tackle. So don't give me that rubbish of it's to reduce the risk. It's not. It's not. They've been wanting to get rid of scrums for ages because they serve no purpose in rugby league. They, they, they do. It's just a way of putting 12 people in the middle of the pitch for no reason. If you're going to have scrums, do them properly. Bring back pushing. You know, if you think about it, balls on your own 10 meter line, you're 20 points to 18 up, and you've got proper pushing in grand final. And the opposition, you've got to be on your ball because if they shove you off it, they're 10 meters away from your line. I want to see a proper contest. And me, me and Keith discussed it in the chat before this. You know, he's probably going to chime in if you're going to have scrums, do them properly. If not, just get rid of them and do away with them. But using coronavirus as an excuse is very, very poor for me. It's like, you know, you're tackling people, you're holding people on the ground, and then you've got your markers. You know, if 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 it's because you've too much contact time, just make it touch rugby then. Yeah, and it always made me laugh in the in in, in the Premier League um, when. Say, for example, the guard of honours that they had to do for, for Liverpool, they did them socially distance, but five minutes later, they're um, wrestling at a corner. <laughs> it's just flawed logic in, in that sense, isn't it? I, I, un- I understand you've got to reduce risk, but if you're going to reduce risk properly, don't play. Don't play. You know, it, it's, it's as simple as that. Rugby Union have put together, a, 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 the RFE, sorry, have put together a nine-step programme of returning to rugby. And for, for the, the latest prediction, well, I said latest predictions, what I, how I've interpreted it is January is when we're going to be back playing rugby, providing there's not a second spike, January. Now, I'm comfortable with that, mainly because it just gives me time to sit around on my ass and do nothing. But it means that when we come back, it's going to be the game that we left. It's going to be, you're going to have line-outs, you're going to have scrums, you're going to have proper rooks, you're going to have proper marks. Everything's going to be the same. Rugby League have brought it back. I don't mind Rugby League bringing it back, but then don't use the excuse. The pit, oh, well, we can't have the contact time with a scrum. It's like, I, I really want to swear at it, but it's like, just leave it out, you know. Just do a tap. Get on with it. Yeah. I'll tell well, you what I actually think afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll bring key, key, key in on that. Um, what is your... Well, we'll stick with the, the scrums because we can come back to the, um, the, the set restart point. Scrums not being part of it, like or hate? Well, I hate the reason they've done it, as in to reduce risk and all that box ticking nonsense. You know, you discussed it. What's the point in not having a scrum to social distance or whatever when you're going to be tackling each other and marking and all that stuff anyway? But I'm actually glad they've got rid of them because it's put me out of my misery. I'm sick of looking at rugby league scrums and they're literally cuddling each other. I, I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's not illegal to contest a scrum in rugby league. Yeah, yet, everybody, right. yet everybody doesn't do it. The last time I can remember, right, was the last Good Friday derby at Nosley Road when Wigan beat Saints and Saints had head and feed and Wigan contested the scrum, won the ball and went up the other end of the field and scored a try. They ended up winning the game narrowly and there was nothing wrong with it. 
and say it's from, you know, saying, whoa, well, you can't do that. Well, you can. Just nobody does it. So I'm just sick and tired of watching them not do anything. So I'm, I'm glad in that aspect that they've got rid of them. Is this where one of the differential penalties come in now for pushing at a scrum or something? What like the that? bloody hell is a differential penalty? <laughs> exactly. yeah. They brought them in. I remember the first time I was watching it, it was Wigan versus Hull at the DW. And the referee, for those not watching, it's like they do a penalty, but then they wave their arm up and down. I looked to my mate and was like, what's he doing? Yeah, it's a differential. Looks penalty. like he's flagging down a taxi or something, doesn't it? <laughs> it? It looks like he's trying to give offside in football, and he's like in in the middle offside, you know. <laughs> but I looked to my mate and said, "What's he doing? What, what, what what's a differential penalty? Like like Keith said, what the bloody hell's a differential <laughs> penalty? You know, where does that come from? Yeah. Oh, it's a technical infringement of the scrum. What technical infringement have you got of the scrum? Have they finally started to to penalise you for putting the ball in at the second rower's feet? You know, <laughs> yeah. I know I, I'm properly showing my frustration because, like I said, you come from rugby union where you've got proper scrums, and it's 20 seconds, but it's 20 seconds hard work. But if you think about it, if you're in the right position, the only people that you're going to be in contact with are your own team. There's only the front three that are going to be in contact with the opposition. Now, everybody should have been tested. Surely, if yep. we're in this bio, thing, isn't it? we're in this bio arena, whatever they're calling it. Everybody should have been tested. So why are we concerned that we can play the game any different? Yeah, it's, it's a you know, it's a it's a point well made with decent facts as well, like uh, I mean, Rob. I mean I'm a big fan of what they've said about oh you just don't do all this cuddling after a try. Because I'm a big I hate cuddling after a try. <laughs> you scored a try, well done. Get I'll get back in your position and wait for kickoff. Because you've got to do it all again. You've you've you know it's Leave the fanfare and all that rubbish to football. Like Rob said, if, you, if you're not going to do a scrum proper, just don't bother. So I hope that it's not just a temporary thing and they've just, it's either, if it's a temporary thing, bring it back and actually contest the scrum, make it more exciting. If not, just get rid of them because yeah. I cannot be bothered watching whatever they do. It's not a scrum, is it? It's just a nice little, let's have a little bunch up and feed the ball in wherever he wants to put it. And then the ref might shout at us. But if you're that concerned that you need people in the middle of the pitch, what you should do is you should have a tap restart and make six people stand behind you, but you can't pass any of them the ball. So you've got to play it wide. If you're mm. that bothered, you're that concerned, just do it like that. Don't bother with scrums. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's not the only change um, to the rules. There's the, um, the set restart, a, a fresh set of six for an infringement at the rook. And we've actually uh, got some clips of two of our Super League managers um, talking about it. Uh, Ian Watson from the Salford Red Devils and Steve Price from Borrington Wolves were talking to the press this week and we asked them what they made of the new rules. We like the game being played quick anyway. We like it being played in the right way and playing rugby and playing it fast as well. There's some teams obviously who, who don't like playing that way as well, but I think it's more of an attractive um, product and um, game when you when you play fast. We've got some metrics today and I think there was on average an extra 12, 14 minutes ball in play um, as opposed to, you know, pre-COVID. So that, that's quite mm. a change, 12, 14 ball, 12 to 14 minutes ball in play. So, you know, it's, it's going to make, make it for more entertain, entertainment football and, you know, I'd like to think it will, you know, suit my, uh, my rugby team. It'll be the ones who, who adapt to it quickest 
will probably get the benefits in the early rounds, but I don't think it'll take too long before all the coaches and all the players are well aware of what it takes. Again, the big one will be working with the referees. The referees have got a tough job on here with, with all the rule changes, so it'll be really getting on side with them and talking to them. The big one is making sure that the players are in the, the best possible condition to be able to, to play the sport because it is faster. The ball is in play a lot more. So it's just making sure that they're they're up to them standards when they come back. And I suppose it'll take most teams a couple of weeks to really get a full gist of the rules and how the referees interpret in it. All continents across rugby league should be the same rules across all, all the world. Um, so if England come up against Australia and New Zealand, um, that they're on an even playing field. Uh, it'd be cat- catastrophic if you know Australia are playing England at the end of the season and, and England haven't been adjusted to the six again. It would be so far an unfair advantage. So as a coach, I'm a big believer in everything should be, um, you know, the laws should be across all continents, similar to like football. So that's what the head coaches think of the new rules. So this fresh set of six for an infringement at the Rook, Rob, considering, let's face it, there's an infringement at every other Rook these days, um, you could be defending five or six sets in a row. Um, do you like it? Do you think it, it brings something and just speeds like, the game up? Because a lot of teams use it as a way to you know, get a bit of a rest, don't they? Well, was it Ian, Ian Watson though, that said that he's a big fan of them? You know, you know I, I am as well. And like you've just said, it's a rest. If you commit a penalty at, at a rock and slow it down too much, it means you're knackered. Get fitter. You know, this is coming from me, who's not the fittest rugby player ever. But get fitter. If you're struggling with your fitness, that it's it's the simple solution. So to just have them relentless tackle after tackle after tackle, yeah, it's going to wear you down. Don't infringe at the rook. Play squeaky clean rugby. It's fine. And I, I it it bores me when you've got to wait and take a penalty. There's your mark, and nobody takes the kick from the mark. They take it from five meters in front, and then boot it into Rosehead, and then you've got to get the ball back. And it's like we could have played on by now. Do what they do in under 12. You want a kick to touch, right? Here's the ball. I'll take it 20 metres up the pitch from you. Tap it from there. Off you go. Save the time. Save the time. If you're going to speed the game up, speed it up fully. Yeah. <laughs> Just if, if, if you're knackered, ask for a, get, <laughs> be substituted. There's somebody waiting on the pitch who's probably got, got gas in the lungs left. And this is coming from me, who, like I said, I'm not the fittest rugby player, but if I was in that situation, I'd make sure I was. I'd make sure I would. For, for you, Key, um, based on, on what you've seen from the opening two games, um, the sides that play it quicker and play a quicker game um, benefited from it. We saw you know, James Roby took plenty of advantage of it against Catalan, didn't he? And um, you know, those sort of players are going to thrive on this new rule, aren't they? quick out of dummy half, get the set, set, another quick play of the ball and just keep it moving. Some teams are really going to struggle and some are going to really benefit. Yeah, well, in particular, the player like, who's made a career out of, you know, scooting quickly out of, out of dummy half. Um, I, I get it, man. I get it. Speeds the game up end-to-end, make ups the entertainment factor, um, energetic. And obviously, if there was a crowd there, it would get the crowd going, you know, so you're boosting the atmosphere as well. Um, and also, it eradicates inconsistencies with penalties, I think, because nothing irritates me more than when you'll give a penalty for holding down or slowing down, then there'll be an absolute mirror copy of that, and then they don't give a penalty, and that just bothers me. So, 
this, that eradicates that, doesn't it, effectively? If I'm, you know, sitting on the fence and trying to portray a balanced argument, um, I'd say maybe it's, it could be in danger of becoming, you know, a bit like sevens, a bit, a bit mad, a bit, you know, too end-to-end. But I, I, in my honest opinion, I'd rather it be more energetic. You know, I, I watch... I mean, I, I watched Wigan for, for a few years and, and, you know, I'll always back Wigan. Um, but I watch a lot of rugby as a neutral, to be honest with you. So anything that makes it more entertaining. Um, and maybe one more negative. You know, there's going to be situations where, you know, teams would rather have a choice of, you know, maybe kicking the two points, but what they would have, you know, had if they were given, you know, original penalties, rather than having another set of six. So maybe it might upset a few teams, but I don't know, get better at, get better at attacking rather than kicking. <laughs> Is there any way you can signal to the referee that actually I don't want to run another six I want to take? Far as I'm aware, no. Because I, th- I think basically what it is now is that only actual foul play will give away a penalty. And I suppose what that then means is that, um, you know, the the shots at goal now are more limited. Them opportunities are more limited. And, you know, I suppose you've got to break a team down rather than, you know... and. How many times have we seen a game won in the last second where the referee's given a very iffy penalty for yeah. hands in the rock or something? At least that now is mitigated. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, it should be better. Score a try, small points in it, you know. Kick a drop uh, goal. <laughs> yeah, half the points, take one. Um, but I mean, yeah, the speed of the game would definitely play into teams who have a more mobile forward pack. You know, there are years gone by where I pulled my hair out and gone, why is Wigan's pack so small? Why, why, why have we got, you know, why have we got tiny forwards compared to like Leeds who had like man mountains and Centellings who like, you know, brought an entire like brickwork factory with them when they had it, when they had the full strength team out. It was like, it'll play into the mobile props hands and, you know, long, you know, long gone are the days of bringing on Polyacena for 10 minutes to run hard three times. You know, you couldn't do that anymore. You've got to be, you'll have to have been, you've got to be hyper fit now. Yeah, well, we've seen it already, didn't we? You know, Catalan, uh, they had a very big mobile pack, uh, very big, you know, less mobile patch, I'd say. Whereas Saints, even Walmsley can, can shift a bit. And that that's, you know, what we saw in, in that game. You know, if you've got your big boppers down the middle, if they can shift, it benefits them. Well, I think it all comes back to it. If if you've got a big pack and you want to use your big pack, be cleaning the ruck. It's, it's, it's you know the laws are put out for a reason. If you break them, you get penalised for it. You get punished for it. it it's it, you know it's clear, it's clear cut. I think it's a massive part of the game having a pack that's not only big but fit and mobile and has got a bit of a ball skill. Now I don't think it, it, gone are the days where you just trundle it forward. I mean that's your key role, isn't it, as a prop forward? Make the hard meters, make the hard yards. But you've got to have a bit of ball skill about you now. Offloads are crucial. I mean I'll come on to this a little bit when we discuss Saints Catalans. Um, I don't want to give too much away because I've made some nice notes there, and I'm pretty pleased made with them. Some, made some <laughs> <amazing> <laughs> notes. Um, but an, in- an interesting thing about it as well, the the, the six again. Now, people might think, um, again, oh, it's just the RFL copying the NRL or whatever, but this actually might get us narrow the gap with Australia. You know, because you're, you're actually benefiting from this in terms of not, not just the entertainment factor and, and end-to-end and all that, but you're up in fitness naturally. Yeah, you, you touched on it massively there, Key. I mean, it's like to be a prop now, you've got to be able to run hard, run quick, step, ball handle, and be fit. You, you've got to be everything. And that's probably why Australia and New Zealand uh probably a little bit ahead 
of of England and Great Britain. It's like you know we've got some quality players, but to the speed that they play at in the NRL, you know we might be able to beat them on club level when we play our own club rugby in the style that we do week in week out. But at the national level, we've we've probably got to be a little bit clever and a little bit quicker. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see whether um, this set of rules goes across the board. I know uh, Steve Price in that um, press conference, he, God, I can't he mentioned it as I well. I can't wait to see Wigan St. Pat's versus Lee Manor Ray and just try and adopt the set of six <laughs> again. Yeah. That <laughs> That'd be quiet. Com- you know, and I've got nothing against either of those two teams. I'm a big fan of both of them teams, but it's going to take some computing power that well, I can go again. But I want the two. That's the, yeah. Go, go again. I'm- I wonder how many players this weekend are going to go and start um, lining up for a scrum when somebody drops it. I reckon a, a good three or four are going to start lining up and, you know, there'll be an arm round each other and go, oh, wait, actually, no, they've already started again. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media. We're going to have a quick go over the two games um, that did, did happen um, before we then go on to the preview. We'll, uh, won't dwell too much on, on the games that ha- have gone on, but um, Saints against Catalan, we'll, we'll start with, um, we'll come to you on it first, Key, uh, since you've got all the notes, we might as well make sure you use them. <laughs> He's going to frame them notes, I, you know. I've built, <laughs> built myself up now. I've built myself I know, yeah. up too much. Uh, well, um, ultimately, Saints won the game comfortably, and it, it just looked as though they adapted to the to the new game better than Catalan and just looked as though they'd come out of lockdown sharper. Yeah, I was impressed with Saints, not so impressed with Catalans. I thought they looked uh, really lacklustre, to be honest. It was a bit of both, when it? it was a bit of Catalans were bad and, and Saints were good. Um, you know, you're not going to expect teams to come back fully firing. We saw it in the football. Like Some of them first games were not very good, were they? You know, it's going to take some getting used to. Um, but I think, to be honest, the lockdowns might be a good thing for Saints. I think Christum... Uh, Christian Wolf's had a bit of time to go away and have a look at things. And, you know, maybe he can, obviously not been able to train, but he, he can now bring across maybe some fresh ideas. Uh, the players can adapt to him, but maybe he's, he's adapted a bit more to, you know, uh, our style in rugby league. Um, I mean, they, they had a bit of an indifferent start in the Saints. You know, an example was getting nailed at Warrington first time since August 2016. But I was impressed with him. Uh, Lachlan Coote played well, uh, two tries, kicked 10 points. Um, but as we mentioned, the, the pack for Saints were just a lot more mobile and skillful than Catalans. I mean, Catalan size-wise, probably pretty even um, in terms of both packs. But I think that sort of, um, I want to say speed, but the, the, the good footwork of the likes of Walmsley, Kyle Amo, Kyle and obviously the returning James Graham, who we know is very good with ball in hand anyway. Um, I think they were just too much for Catalan, to be honest with you. And that's why Saints you know, ran out comfortable winners in the end. Rob, what did you make of the, the two sides on their first game back? Yeah, uh, kind of what, what, what Keith said. And we have to, we have to remember, St. Helens have had, before lockdown, when the season originally started in February, St. Helens had had the least amount of time off. You know, they, they, they played most number of games, along with, it was Salford that they played last year in the, in the grand final. Shows how much took interest in, in, in the grand final with, with that Wigan there. Uh, but, you know, any teams like that, you, you've you've got the least number of get, you've got the least time off, sorry, and you're bringing a new coach who's got to bring new ideas and stuff like that. It's, lockdown probably couldn't come soon enough, or you know they've had that time off to recuperate, recover, and then you know 
bedding ideas that that the coaches have. Uh, I, I, you know, Centelli's were good, but that was as good as it as it was. It wasn't a great performance. It wasn't a perfect. But it was good. Um, they were helped massively by Catalan, looking like they were still in lockdown, still furloughed. You know, they were. I think bad is as good as it got for Catalan, and he scored as well. But you know that's that's where Centelli's just switched off a bit in defence because there was a little bit of that from Centelli's. But uh, I'm not taking anything away from uh, from Centelli's performance. If if you're going to go out against a team who's not at the races, put your points past them, and they did that. I mean that Tommy Makinson try where he came in off the wing, you know it shows the class of the player that he is. He he, he found a hole from nothing. But that that came from the fact that Catalan were poor in that in that set. If I'm honest, I've been a bit harsh there on Cat. No, I'm not being harsh. I'm being honest. Yeah, expect no different from you, Rob, <laughs> on that front. And um, the other game um, turned into a bit of a classic, really. Huddersfield uh, leads. That was the sort of game we wanted um, to to come back with. And, and we'll come straight to Rob on this one because I, I know he's dying to glow about the fact that he predicted that it would be a draw at 80 minutes and then it would go to, to golden point. And what a yeah. comeback from Leeds to get that far. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I predicted a draw. I completely forgotten about golden point, if I'm honest. Um, but I think I predicted a draw because I thought it was going to be an absolute slog. It was going to be knocking lumps out of each other. I didn't realise it was going to be one half, one team played out the skin and, you know, that take nothing away from Dan or McIntosh. Fantastic hat-trick. Not scored in like 18 months and then scored an hat-trick. That's the kind of return return rate that you want from a winger who's had a drought. Um, but Huddersfield played, I thought, Lee, that, you know, that was the worst performance I was going to see of rugby, you know, when Leeds played that first half. And then Huddersfield started the second half and I thought, how can they be as bad as Leeds in the first half? And that's what it was. It wasn't a classic because it was slog against slog. It was because almost neither team wanted to win. And, you know, yeah, I predicted a draw. And, I'm, I, you know, I, I felt well good when they predicted a draw. And then he went to Golden Point. I was like, ah, I forgot about that. But I do like Golden Point. And this is this is something that I've, I've had a lot of time to think about. So I don't know if you've ever drawn a game. It doesn't matter what sport it is, rugby, football, anything. Like, even when you draw on FIFA or something like one all, it's like you don't know how to react. You, you don't. It's like climactic into it. Yeah, if you win, ways. if you win, you're over the moon because it's the best thing ever. And if you lose, you're like, right, how did we lose? You pick up your points, you go away and you work on them. But then you remember what you did well and improve on them at the same time. If you draw, you can't really see what you did right and wrong. And you just end up sat there going, well, this is, may as well not bothered because you'd have got the same result. So I'm happy with Golden Point. I want a drop goal, by the way from Luke Gale. I don't really like him. I don't want to like him, I should say. But I was a good drop call. I'll take my hat off to that. I was a big and, fan of that. And for, for you, Key, uh, what, what did you make of the game? Because it was very much topsy-turvy. Huddersfield looked like they had it won. And then what a comeback from Leeds. Yeah, the old game of two halves, as they say. Um, I knew it would be close, but I just fancied Huddersfield in my prediction. And, you know, I was, I was sitting pretty, wasn't I? At one point, I thought, get in. Two predictions there, I've nailed it. Uh, but you don't, you can't have your own your own way all the time. Um, I thought Huddersfield looked great initially. I thought Lee Gaskell had a, had a good game. You know, I, I seen Jamie Foster actually tweet something. You remember Jamie Foster? God, he's an addresser now. Um, <laughs> wow, he is. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, now yeah. That, that is what we made this podcast for. 
little sort of information, information like that. Like that. The world's yeah. greatest goal kicker of 2010. <laughs> he, um, he tweeted something about Lee Gaskell, um, like playing well. I can't remember what it was specifically. And people were giving him stick. And to be fair, I agreed with him, to be honest. I thought Lee Gaskell uh, controlled it for a spell. And obviously, Darnell McIntosh, wonderful at trick, as, as Rob said. Um, but what a comeback from Leeds. Um, I learned the hard way, again, to never write them off at Headingley because in my prediction, I said, I think they might struggle without the fans being there because obviously the big thing about Headingley is the fans make noise, don't they? Um, and get behind them. But I learned the hard way again. Don't write them off at Headingley. Tell um, you what, I bet you, the, uh, I bet you the ref had an easy time deciding if something was a forward pass or not at Headingley. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They say, it, they, well, Yorkshire people say it about us that we shout forward all the time, but I'm not so sure about that. Especially that, well, what used to be the old South stand at Leeds. It's all been modernised now, hasn't it? Um, and Rob's not going to like me for this because he, he, he mentioned Luke Gale and the drop goal was superb and he said he doesn't really like him. I do. I do like Luke Gale. I especially liked him when he was at Castleford. I don't think he's hit those heights since he's been at Leeds. Um, but I think he showed his class in getting Leeds back into the game, to be honest with you. Crucial try to get the engines fired back up again. Obviously, kick the crucial, the crucial point and golden point. So, a big win for Leeds. Put some top. I know it's early days. Um, but nice just to see a thriller. I mean, after watching Catalans, I thought, bloody hell. Some of these teams are not going to be up for it, but I know the defences weren't the best in Huddersfield Leeds, but just to see, you know, the effort and some good rugby on show in, in patches was encouraging. Uh, I'll just, I'll just uh, quote, quote my friend Scott on this because he, he loves this saying, when a game's like that, it's like, well, not a lot of defending went on and, you know, Key's, Key's right, the, the attack was brilliant. It was the defence that kind of let the side down really for Huddersfield, especially in that second half, but then Leeds tightened it up in the second half and, it was just, just points, really. Points everywhere. Now, if you're enjoying this, then why not check out our blog? You can find it on our website. Just search for Matchday FM. So, to quickly tell you what the fixtures are, and then we'll go through each one to give a, um, a quick look ahead to. Uh, we have Castleford against Catalan, Warrington against Hull KR. They're the two Saturday games. And Salford against Hull FC, Wakefield against Wigan, and Leeds against Saints, which was a very tasty game. Huddersfield have a week off because of Toronto's um, withdrawal. All games at Headingley again. Um, so we'll start with uh, Castleford, Catland. We'll just have a sort of like um, go around and sort of a uh, quick line on each and then give a bit of a prediction. And um, we'll start with uh, you, Kieran, Castleford against Catland. What are you making of that one? Um, well, on my notes, it's probably the shortest one I've, I've written here. So uh, I'm going to go Castleford. I think um, they started they started the season pretty well before lockdown. I know it's early days and you can't really predict much off, off form at the minute, but uh, they started okay. And I really was not convinced by the look of Catalans against Saints. Um, obviously, it's at Cass as well in the UK. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for a, a Castleford home win. Do you want a score as well? Or are we just, are we just doing... It's almost impossible to predict scorelines in rugby league, isn't it? There's I was thinking that to me first, so don't make me do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll just have the the team and whether they win, lose, or golden point, whatever. Uh, what about you, Rob? How do you see that one going? Well, same. Castleford, I think, are going to win. Um, with the way that Catalan played against St. Helens, they, they need something to to uh, get them back into life. And, and it's going to have to be good. And yeah, I'm just looking at the table here with Castleford sitting third. Um, you know, I can't see anything but but uh, but a Castleford Castleford win really. 
I, I, and it'll be many to to less many is the, the score. Catalan, <laughs> Catalan won't do well. That's what I'm predicting. And well, the old many to less many score. <laughs> yeah, famous. I think the only positive you could take from from Catalan is the fact that they've got a game in the legs. Um, you know whether that extra game of playing them rules will help. But I think if Castleford come out of lockdown firing. They have a lot of weapons in that size, um, which makes them very dangerous and contenders this year. Catalan is still without Sam Tompkins as well, which is a big blow for them. So I, I'll go with both Rob and Key in saying I think Castleford will get off the mark in that one. Warrington, Hull, KR, Key. What about that one? That, you know, both sides indifferent pre-lockdown. Yeah, both indifferent, but Warrington for me, I'm sorry, I think they're always pretty solid at home. And and OKR, obviously, bottom of the table after not the best of starts, let's be honest. Was it one winning six? So, um, yeah, I cannot look past Warrington, especially at home. um, And I think they'll do it pretty comfortably, to be honest with you. What about you, Rob? I'm going for a shock upset. Why not? I reckon reckon OKR will edge edge past uh, Warrington because, you know... they have conceded the second most points, you know, uh, in the season so far, other than LFC. That art for a little bit of a fact there. Um, but you know, one in one in six winning, and it's going to sting that a bit. So they'd have probably been at, going at it, training hard when when it was announced that they were coming back, getting it, you know, getting it against, um, getting ready, ready to go again. And I think as well, maybe Warrington be coming back. Oh, bottom of the league and you should never I'm not saying that is the mentality of the players but it might just sit in the back of the mind that they're against OKR who are bottom of the league who've won one in six and think it's going to be a walk in the park and it could catch them out that's why I'm going OKR Well from my perspective I think um, it'd be interesting to see how the connections um, between Widdop and Austin has whether they've been able to work on that during lockdown because that's got real potential of course and and I think Jack Hughes is back available as well, which I think is big for them. He's a real leader on the pitch for them. Hull KR, you know, that, I think they'll cause problems. I don't think Warrington will run away with it, but I, I still think Warrington will have enough in the tank to win that one. Uh, now to the Sunday game, Salford against Hull. Hull, of course, this is their first game without Lee Radford in charge. Usually, when somebody's sacked as a head coach, it's, it's a week after that they play again, but Andy Laster's had uh, quite a lot of time to to get used to the idea of being in charge. Key, um, so Salford against Hull. What do you make of that game? Yeah, this is like an unpredictable prediction, if you know what I mean. Because I think, well, they're all unpredictable, really, because of post COVID. But also, like you touched on the first game about Radford and what a weird time to take over as, as a head coach. Um, Early form would probably suggest Hull against Salford's early form, but I'm going to go for Salford, I think. Um, I know there's no relegation this year, um, but nobody will. people still won't want to finish bottom. You don't want to finish bottom, do you? Just naturally, um, out of pride. So if my predictions are correct, Hull KR and Wakefield, who are both down there, are going to lose. A Salford win could be crucial. Uh, just to pull them away a little bit from the bottom table. So I'm going to go for a Salford win over Hull. Roberto? Um, it's a good one. See, like Centelli and Salford had the least time off 
But now we've had lockdown, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it might be a chance for them to re-energise like, re like, re and bring it back. But they were kind of raided a bit in the off-season, weren't they? I know Jackson Hastings was taken to Wigan and there was another one that I had in my mind. That was Josh Jones? That's the one. He's actually going to be playing for Hull. So. Yeah. So it's like they, they have kind of been a bit, um, you know, pillaged really as, as a team. But... Uh, I don't, neither of them impressed me at the start of the season. This is going to be my draw. This is golden, golden point. Tell you now. Flip of a coin job at golden point yeah. as well, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Somebody will be a hit and hope drop goal. Like, it's a cop Logan, out that. Logan, <laughs> Logan Tompkins will let a drop goal. <laughs> uh, the way I say it, I think, um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what work Andy Lass has done with um, with Hull. It'll be interesting to see how they come up. They've got such a good team on paper. It's such a big team as well, as it's going to be said. So it'll be interesting to see how they um, cope with um, the, the rule changes. Um, obviously, having spoken to um, Ian Watson, he mentioned about Niall Edwards has run a bit in the halves this week because Kev Brown's out. So Niall Edwards in the halves with this new... You really that could be interesting because obviously they've got um, Morgan Escaray who's on um, trialist forms at, at the minute. So it'll be interesting to see how they line up. I think lockdown probably come at a good time for, for Salford. Gives them a bit more time to gel together as a unit. Obviously, like Rob mentioned, a lot of um, players come and, come and went over the off-season for them. So I, I think Salford will pick that one um, in that game on Sunday. Uh, this is the one I'm sure a pair of you have got special eye on. Uh, Wakefield against Wigan. Um, Again, it's, it's you know Wigan have started pre-COVID pretty well, Kieran. Um, do you expect them to pick up from where they left off? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, not just because it's Wigan. I just think um, Wigan are expected to win games like this, to be honest with you. Um, and obviously, Wakefield haven't had the best of starts. I mean, we can, I know it's... You know, we can talk about the starts and the forms and people can go, well, it doesn't really matter because, you know, we've, there's been a three, four-month layoff, whatever. Um, but we've got to go off something. It's the <laughs> only thing we've just, got in it. So. Or, or else we're just three people talking absolute nonsense. So well, we're three <laughs> people talking anyway, absolute yeah. nonsense anyway. <laughs> um, no, but I, just because I expect Wigan to win games like this and if they're serious about, you know, challenging for Super League again this season, they've got to. Um, they've already made a decent start. So, yeah, Wigan for this one, mate. For, uh, for this one, mate. Rob, I'm sure you're going to concur with that. Uh, yeah, probably am, but for slightly different reasons. I mean, if you look at all the years gone by, that uh, even the last decade, you know, since Michael Maguire joined, joined Wigan Warriors, um, they've always come into the form in that June, July, August period where they just run teams or like run away from teams and people go, well, how do they do it? How do they do it? And if you look at the style of rugby that Wigan play, it, it suits, it suits the weather. Now, obviously lockdown was absolutely glorious weather. So Wigan would have played the best rugby they've ever played if we could play in lockdown. But, um, you know, it, it's slightly, slightly more indifferent now, but yeah, they were running on a high before lockdown. They were very good. Uh, I was a bit concerned when lockdown, Kane, I was just like, oh, this is going to take the sting out of them. Um, but Wakefield will be chomping. Oh, Wakefield love a good upset against Wigan. They've done it before. 
they could do it again. So I'm going to say Wigan, but not by the margin that people think. Probably a little bit closer. Eight, eight to twelve points maximum between it. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've been. In, uh, well, I was impressed with Wigan whenever I saw them. God knows how long ago that was. Um, but yeah, I think they've got the makers of a real good good side there and I think this new way of playing is going to really suit them Jackson Hastings with set after set after set he's going to well, he's going to love that isn't he Bevan um, French it's going to be scary watching him yeah, go again the, the pace of that Wigan team and a mobile pack as well so I think this is going to play into their hands and you know they're going to go really really well at the back end of the season so I think we're going to win that one Finally then, um, obviously, Huddersfield have a bye. Um, so Leeds against Saints. It's the one game where both teams have played a game. So we know more about them than the rest of them. This is probably the one we, we can probably predict the best. So we're all going to get this wrong now I've said that. Um, well, obviously, unless we split it. Obviously. Um, so um, Leeds against Saints. Key, obviously, you know, like I said, we've been able to see them both play. They've both got wins in different fashions. And it's always a good game, Leeds Saints. It's been God knows how many finals, hasn't it? Um, so it's always a big game. And nine times out of ten, it's a good game. Will we get another one? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, to be honest. You know, obviously, two of the biggest teams in the league. Um, both got momentum, but in different ways, really. Saints' momentum from a nice cruising victory against Catalans. And obviously, Leeds just the buzz, really, of pinching one in Golden Point after you know a, a good comeback. Um, it's early days, as I keep saying. Leeds are obviously top of the pile at the minute. Um, Saints look really strong, carrying the ball, moved it quickly against Catalan. Some of the tries they scored, I don't think we mentioned. You know, I thought Farge was really good. Um, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who finished it off. It was Farge went to Zeb, Zeb Taya and he just quick quick hands back on the inside. Oh, I think it was, was uh, Lachlan Coote. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was yeah. Lachlan Coote. Great try, that one. Oh, br- brilliant, brilliant. And there was a couple of others as well. Um, not going to go for them all. I'm not going to bore you with them all. Um, but it's a tough one, this is. Uh, I'm going to go tight, a really tight Saints win. Not necessarily Golden Point. I'm not going to steal Rob's draw, Golden Point Thunder, but a tight Saints win, I think. Um, but if Leeds give Saints a head start like they did with Huddersfield, they won't be coming back. I'm pretty confident with that. Famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Rob? Do you think it's going to be another uh, good game to watch? Uh, yeah, but it's going to be brutal. Um um, I think it would be a Leeds win, not a St. Helens win. Uh, I think Saints had it a little bit too easy against Catalan. And because of how rough Leeds had that first half against Huddersfield, they're going to be sharp. They're going to be on it. They're not going to be... You know, you we're not going to see defence like we did last week against, against St. Helens. And, and um, like like Key said, they've, they've got to be on it. Otherwise, Saints will blow them away. We, we, we know they've got that quality there. Uh, but for me, because of the rough week that Leeds had compared to the easier week that St. Helens had, I think Leeds will probably pinch it just again. Two to four points. I'm getting a bit getting a bit cocky there. They'll, they'll be they'll beat them just very it'll be very close. It'll probably be the best game to watch this weekend though. Yeah, I definitely think on paper it certainly looks the 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 best game. From what I've seen at you know, the two sides, both were impressive in different ways. I think Richie Myler, a fullback for, for Leeds, looks like he's been playing fullback for a lot longer than he, ha- he has been. He's sort of thrust upon him and he's, he's doing a really good job. I think that battle between him and Lachlan Coote, you know, Coote's one of the, the best in the division. Um, so that's going to be a, a real good matchup. And 
yeah, it, on paper, it's just got so many subplots that make it such an interesting game. And, you know, with that extra game under the belt of getting adjusted to the rules, I think we're in for a real exciting game. And I think Saints will just pip it. I, I think they will get the win and um, move up the table and start to show the promise um, that we expect from the Saints. So I think that's just about it. Uh, I think Super League has been covered by the three of us there today. And between now and uh, Old Trafford at the end of November, I think we're going to have a very exciting season. We're just glad it's back. And uh, hopefully, he'll uh, be back with a bang again this weekend. My thanks to Rob and Key for the inputs. Um, Match Day FM will be back with more podcasts and articles within the coming days and weeks. We'll probably have another Super League part in some time or other. We're always uh, desperate to talk some rugby league. Obviously, get in touch on social media if you want to say anything to us or propose an article or podcast topic. We'd love to, to hear from you. Uh, so my thanks to Robin Key. I've been Christo, and this has been the Match Day FM podcast.